Welcome to Spiritual Warfare and How the Devil is Collecting Souls. He will infiltrate every area of your life if you let him. Hi, my name is Teresa. Hi, my name is Kay. We will share how we found success in our everyday spiritual battles. Kay, we are going to talk about the Helmet of Salvation. Take the Helmet of Salvation. Ephesians 6.17 says, Put on salvation as your helmet. And what does that mean? Salvation comes the moment we place our trust in Jesus' death and resurrection as a payment for our sin. But salvation is also worked out through a lengthy process of sanctification. The helmet of salvation, like the breastplate of righteousness, rests on the work of Christ to save us. But it also involves us as we journey with the Lord and allow him to work that salvation into every part of our thoughts. The battlefield of our mind is the primary place spiritual battle is fought. The Lord works his freeing truth into our perspectives while the enemy fights for strongholds to bind us. In John 10.10, Boy, the strongholds again. I just remember the cigarettes, how many years I smoked. And it stopped me from doing so many things because I would rather stay home and smoke than go out and enjoy my life in these different things. And boy, that was a stronghold for me. So, Kay, how to apply it? Surrender thoughts that don't line up with Scripture as Colossians 3 2 says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Remember the Lord's character and faithfulness in Scripture as well as in your life experience. Wash your mind with the renewing of God's Word. This is very important. You have to do this to defeat the enemy. I heard on the radio today if you're being attacked and overwhelmed, start singing and praising God. Because if you're depressed, it's gone. You just, that's what what you set your mind and your focus on is you start singing and praising God. Wash your mind with the renewing of God's word. As Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, okay, we're going to talk about salvation today. What is your salvation story and how old were you when you came to the Lord? Teresa, I was in my early 30s when I came to know Christ as my Savior. And you, my friend, are a big part of this story. Uh, let me just share one little thing before you finish. I did not know Kay, but I knew Kay's husband. And he played golf, and he was my brother's friend. I knew he was married. And he said, hey, why don't you come play golf with me? And I said, well, if your wife says it's okay, oh, she won't mind. No, I need her to tell me that. I am not taking your word for it. I think Kay was shocked. <laughs> Weren't you my friend? I was. I was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But but that was a very respectful thing to do 
because I probably would have been possibly upset, you know, thinking, well, why not me? I don't know. But I said, yes, I did. I said, sure, I'm okay with that. And God did an amazing thing because then we became friends because your brother was a friend of my husband's. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And you have been one of my dearest, dearest, dearest friends. God has just blessed me. You guys don't even know what this woman has done for me in my life. And it all started over me not playing, wouldn't play golf with Louie until he asked his wife. And I had no idea who she was. I'd never even met her. I didn't even know her. But I wasn't playing golf with him till he got the okay. And we met. And we talked about God from time to time. We did, yes. And and the craziest thing is you were relentless in talking to me about where was I going? Where was I going? And I can remember we went to a place called Mike's Pizza. And I drank beer. And you talked about Jesus. <laughs> And then I think some conviction set in in my heart. And then we started meeting at Burger King for coffee. And um, it was a completely different atmosphere. God was definitely working through you to me. And I can remember, Teresa, I was going through a hard time in my life back then. We had been out to Burger King, having our coffee, and you gave me a salvation track to stay, to take home. And I think it was burning in my pocket. Because <laughs> <laughs> I went home to my mobile home by myself and remember sitting in this rocking chair and I got out that salvation track and I just kept kind of looking at it and man was God just tugging on me. He was. So I picked up that salvation track and I fell to my knees. And I accepted Jesus Christ into my life that night with lots of tears. And I am so grateful. I will say it's been a journey. And, and walking with Christ is a journey. It's not always an easy journey. So... You know, some people think that when you get saved and you receive that gift, you know, from God, that life is going to be a bed of roses. I think sometimes it's completely opposite of that because your heart breaks for other people because you want them to have the same gift that, that you have. And I am eternally grateful to be able to have the privilege to tell this story with you and to be with you here today. You know, that also takes me back. I used to get judged for going into bars. And people would, like, what they would see me coming in and out of a bar, and they're like, some Christian you are. But, you know, when I went into the bars, just like I met you, you sat there, you drank your beer, and I had coffee. To me, it didn't bother me, not one iota. An atmosphere does not bother me. When I go in those places, and I mean, believe you me, I drank in those places young. I truly did. But 
I look and it's so dark. It's smoky. People are drunk. They're crying, telling their stories. And the only thing I can think of is heaven and hell. I, that's all I could see is these people, where are they going? If they left here tonight and died and they don't know you, God, they will be burning in hell eternally. For eternity. Eternity is a long time. It's the pit of hell. And Satan wants your soul. I try not to be overbearing. I try to do it in a fun way. And Kay, I hope I did. Or an easy way. Do you know what I'm saying? Because people don't like religion thrown in their face. And probably back then, sometimes I might have got out of hand. I don't do that anymore. I just don't. If somebody wants to hear or I feel I can just slowly move in and share something to help them, that's the way that I do it. So I would just thank God for you. Kay's my little um, maintenance person too. Yes. <laughs> Kay fixes everything. Toilets. <laughs> Flipping mattresses. <laughs> I know. Cars, yep. groceries, everything. <laughs> she helps me paint. It doesn't matter. Yeah, she's definitely uh, a huge help. So I just am just thankful that God brought us together. And look how he did it. Wasn't that funny? I still look at that and think, wow. I had no idea that you were going to be a great friend. And I didn't even talk to Louie anymore after that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. We have to remember that the thief, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And God's purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Now, not rich as the world sees it, maybe not satisfying as the world sees it, but he does desire to lavish himself upon us, and it's not material things. It's lavishing us with his with his love, with his presence, with his peace. Being satisfied in our life with our relationship with him. We will always fail each other as humans. We will. And that's something that I've learned through the years is that God has to be number one number one always in the middle of whatever relationship it may be, whether it's a friendship like ours or a husband or a boyfriend or um, I don't know that it matters what relationship we should say, whether it's a co-worker or a mother or a father or a sister or a brother. Um, it makes a difference when he's kept his Number one, I had to take some hard knocks before I learned that one. I did. Me too, my friend. Yes. But I am eternally grateful for my salvation. And the price he paid, the gift he gave us by going to the cross, is more than... Anything I can even imagine, Teresa. 
you know, I know I've watched like The Passion of Christ before. The Mel Gibson one? Yeah. Yeah, that is crazy what he went through. I mean, seriously crazy. I just, it's just gut-wrenching. It's, wow. I know. I would highly recommend watching that movie also. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, because he went through through a lot. My salvation, I knew of God because of my grandma and I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian. I just went with her. And when I turned 18, I left the house. I was ready to party and have a good time. Again, in the 70s, that's just what she did. So I moved out with a co-worker. Her and I moved into a house together. I bet you I only slept four hours and 24 hours every single day because that's what we did. We worked, we partied, we did drugs. And one night I went to sleep. And God came to me in a dream. I'm laying there, and he opens up the heavens, very stern looking down at me, and he says, you have one more chance. And I said, why one more chance for what? To quit drinking? To go to church? What? He said, you have one more chance, and he closed the heavens. And I literally woke up. I just couldn't, I couldn't shake it. I got up, I packed all of my stuff, I moved back in at my mom's, and I started going to church, and it was just that quick from doing all the drugs and the party, and I don't even know how many months I was 18 doing this, you know, before. It was probably maybe like six months. And... I started going to church, and I fell many times, and I walked away from God for a few years because I was unhappy, went down a wrong road again, and when you're a Christian, yes, this can happen. Um, It just can. I wished I wouldn't have done it, but I did. There's nothing else I can do. I can only tell my story, and hopefully it will help somebody else not to go down that road again. So that's what I did. I moved back in and I just started going to church and I just, my journey started, started then. So it makes me think about the song that he leaves the 99 and he searches for the one that he tells us in his word, he will never leave us or forsake us. God is true to his word. His word is true. Even though in my own life I have gone down roads that should not have been, that drew drew me away from my relationship, from him. And who did that, Kay? Me. Yes, but what we have to realize is the spiritual warfare satan is going to put these people in your life for you to fall because he wants you my friend yes he does just like the john 10 10 says 
that his purpose is to kill, steal, and destroy. There you go. You know, he wants to take us down a path that will destroy us. Yes, that makes us feel unworthy of ourselves. Blinds us. How about he puts the blinders on us? True. And if you're lonely or hurting... You don't think about the attack coming from the enemy when this wonderful, quote, person walks before you in a ray of light, professes to be a Christian, this and that, and you're like, oh my gosh, my prayers were answered. And it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm telling you, how many times, Kay, did we choose the wrong thing thinking It was from God, and it wasn't from God, but it looked like it was from God. For me, since I was so lonely, I didn't say, God, I need you to confirm that this is from you. You need to tell me that this is from you. Oh, no, I just jumped for it and thought, wow, this is fabulous. Thank you, God, and it wasn't God at all. And my life was almost destroyed because of it, Kay. And that's what Satan wants. You know, he has a light of his own that is deceiving, absolutely deceiving. And I know the times that I went astray in a relationship or a habit or those things became first in my life. Next thing you know, one day two days, six years, ten years. And you look back at that and you go, oh, my goodness gracious. Teresa, I am grateful that he has drawn us back, that he does not stop pursuing us. He does not. We still have time in our life to make a difference for his kingdom. Something I read across this week that really spoke to me in a book that John Piper wrote. Don't waste your life. (laughs) Don't waste your life. May you seek and find salvation before it's too late. Don't come to the end and look back and realize You've wasted your life. I did. I wasted over 20 years pining after somebody that wasn't worth anything. And I regret it so bad. That's hard, isn't it? Yes, it is. But here we are today, reaching out, talking about what we've been through in our lives to encourage you out there. To choose Christ. There's so many more resources today. It was back then taboo. You, People thought you were crazy if you went to talk to somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You didn't do that in the 70s because it was like a plague. Oh, she's crazy. She went to a therapist. You just didn't do those things back then. Right. You know, you didn't. And now... Everybody has all these resources and podcasts and books and groups, and we never had any of that stuff. 
it might have made a difference. I don't know, though. I did what I did, and I wasted my life, and I'm so mad. I'm 60 now, and I'm like, wow. Not yet. Yeah, true, next week. (laughs) So take it from us, ladies, gentlemen. It's not worth it. Oh, dear Jesus, it's not worth it. And just make sure that you're not entangled with a wolf in sheep's clothing. And you couldn't have told me any different that it wasn't God. And it wasn't. And I thought it was, my friend. Well, Kay, next week we are going to talk about the Sword of the Spirit. Once again, I'm Teresa. I'm Kay. And we really appreciate you stopping by this week. God bless. We'll see you next week.